Hey, well, I'm really glad that you are here. We're uh, in this series going through the book of James called Mirror, Mirror. And James is known in the New Testament as one of the most direct, one of the most practical, and most confrontational writers in the New Testament. He says what he writes, and what he writes, he means. He kind of leaves no wiggle room for anyone to escape his words and God's words. He, he has this tone about it as he wrote, writes that this is the truth. And what are you going to do about it? And this uh, series, Mirror, Mirror, is really this reflection, no pun intended. It refers to this image that James brings us about someone who might look into the mirror and then step away and just forget what they saw. So we're going to continue on in this series this morning. We're going to be in the uh, chapter 3 of the book of James. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open up to chapter 3 of James. And as you do that, did you know that the average person, this is just the average person, spends about one-fifth of their life talking? One-fifth of their life talking. And I kind of looked up this a little bit, and if all our words were, be, were to be put into print, a single day's words of just an average person would be a 50-page book, just one day. In a year, a single person, 132 books of 200 pages each. That's just the average person. Some of you might say, I would fill an entire library in a year. (laughs) The average person, that's how much. Some, maybe a little less, and some, a lot more. But the point is, is we're constantly talking. People are just constantly communicating. We talk a lot. One-fifth of your life will be spent with your mouth open, talking. That's a lot of opportunity to do good, to bless other people, but that's also a lot of opportunity, what we're gonna see in James, to potentially damage as well. And you would think that God would have something very clear to say about what we do with one-fifth of our life. For maybe some of us, it's one-third or one-half of our life, right? God, you should have something to say a lot about how we spend a fifth of our life. And he does. We see all throughout the Bible that that God really values our words, our talking, how we communicate. And James very clearly points this out as well. And in the start of James, in James chapter 1, verse 19, James says that people should be quick to listen and slow to speak. He starts his book out by say, you know, essentially saying that every, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. So why, why does he say that? And then as he moves into chapter 3 here, we're going to see that. But it's not exactly how our world functions today, is it? It's not exactly how our world functions that people are just quick to listen and slow to speak. I mean, within our political climate that we have today, right? Don't we wish that could happen sometimes? That, that, that there would be... Quick to listen and slow to speak. Or in our schools or in our jobs. Not exactly how the world operates around us. So James then elaborates much more in James chapter 3 because he knows, like the Bible says, that words are powerful. And that's going to be a theme this morning, that our words are powerful. So here James, he writes, you know, not to a group of sailors, not to a biker gang or anything. He's writing to the Christians, the Christian church. 
Let's read this. We're going to read this whole chunk of scripture together. James writes, he starts out by saying, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Well, we're just going to leave this up here as I talk, but you know, th- this sometimes worries me a little bit because people, you know, those who teach, the Bible says we're going to be judged more fiercely, more strictly. And, and James points this out that those should be slow to enter into teaching because we have a greater influence to potentially poison the very people that we're talking to. He goes on, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey, we can turn the whole animal or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. Wow, James, that's, that's some intense language there, right? He says, essentially, the tongue is this small piece of the body, but it directs everything. The, the, everything that we do in our whole body and our, our lives is directed by our words. And he gives these examples of, you know, you can steer a, a horse but just by a bit in the mouth or a ship by just this small rudder or, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> or a, a whole spark can light an entire forest on fire. And we clearly remember this, this last year, right? Think of the Eagle Creek fire, just a few kids being idiots, right? And throwing just a a few fireworks uh, down into a dry spot in the Eagle Creek area in Oregon. And this whole blaze set a fire. Hundreds and thousands of acres set on fire, right? But our our tongue is like that. It's a small piece, yet it can corrupt and it can poison, and it can steer someone's entire course of their life, and it can set it ablaze on fire, set directly from hell. He goes on, and James almost like adds a little bit of comedy here, just a little bit of salt to the wound, right? That all kinds of animals can, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And here's where we're gonna camp this morning a little bit more, is with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Other translations, translations would say out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can the salt spring produce fresh water. If we could just sum this up and just, you know, 
Two words. What James is saying is I believe he's saying words and power. Words have power. They're powerful. Powerful words we have. Our words direct how we're going to live. And James knows this all too well. He's seen this take place in the Christian church, and he's seen how uh, the, the economy in the world and, and the social uh, uh, status of all the stuff happening, so much of it driven by words, and we can see this today too. Our words direct exactly how we live. And this is, we see, this is a clear theme all throughout the Bible. We see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see Jesus talk about this in his life, in the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. We see this all throughout the Bible. And I think Solomon really sums this, this entire chunk of James up so well. When Solomon writes in Proverbs 18.31, he says, The tongue has the power of life and death, right? The tongue has the power of blessing and cursing. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, the wisest man on the earth says. This may seem like an overstatement, like, are you serious? The tongue has the power of life and death. And that may seem like a little bit of an overstatement, maybe the world we live in. But, you know, as I looked into this further and I just, as I uh, looked at stories of kids today and, man, you don't have to look far to see the hundreds of suicides that take place every single year, just based on when you look at their life and the notes they left behind or the, the stuff they had talked with their school counselor about or all that stuff, is that it was because of this uh, barrage, this incessant barrage of these ill words against them. It wasn't like they were necessarily being bullied and you know, thrown into a locker or something, but just words whether it be on social media or words to then just this incessant barrage of ill words that kids, hundreds of kids across our country take their own life based off of that. Our words have the power of life and death. And Solomon also writes that our words have the power of wounding or healing. Or, or like, I like to say our words have the power of life giving or life taking. Our words have the power of life giving or life taking. We can bless or we can curse. Life taking would be something like this. Maybe in our day and age would be, do you mean to do your hair like that? Or why aren't you married yet? Are you always like your brother? Man, I hate you. I never loved you. You're pathetic. You'll never amount to anything. You're such a disappointment. Right? Life-taking words. Takes life, sucks life out of people when we hear those. They have power. But our words also are life-giving, right? Instead of those, it could be, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I couldn't love you anymore. You're amazing. Knocked it out of the park. I'd marry you all over again. Our words can be life-taking. They can be life-giving. A few years ago, I went through some counseling because of some really bad anxiety in my life that I was having. And as I went through that, I found out that most people, they face the emotional issues that they face when they're adults is a result of something done to you or said to you as a child. Words are powerful. 
The very way that we live our lives as adults is a direct correlation to most likely the words that were said to us as we grew up as kids. They can be life-giving. They can be life-taking. Think in the various contexts of your life. How are your words? Are your words life-giving or are they life-taking? In your marriage, are they life-giving? This constant back and forth of, you're beautiful, you're so buff. <laughs> I love serving you. You're amazing, you're so good at your job. You're an amazing mother. You know, are they life-giving? Just this back and, the constant back and forth of life-giving words. Or is it more life-taking words? With your friends, is it a group of guys that get together and it's super sarcastic and kind of life-taking? Or is it life-giving? Think of uh, on social media. What are your words like on social media? What are the things that you pin, you post, you share a link to? Are they life-giving or are they life-taking? At work, when you're with your coworkers, when you're around the, the water cooler, when you're out on a sales call with, with a coworker, when you're in, stocking the, the back room, when you're prepping the food, whatever it may be, are your words life-giving? They life-taking. I worked at a restaurant and nothing against them, but the cooks had a lot of life-taking words when you went back there. <laughs> are your words life-giving or are they life-taking? What about at school, when you're with your friends, when you're uh, in between periods at class, when, you sh uh, when you're on your sports team, when you're in practice, the middle of a game, are your words life-giving or are they life-taking? Words can tear down, they can wound, they can hurt. But Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. Our words, like James said, this should not be so. We shouldn't praise God on one hand and then leave church and on the other hand go and curse people, hurt people, wound people, have life-taking words. Our life should reflect who Jesus is that he came to give life. Some of the most powerful moments that I have ever been a part of have been these moments of life-giving words. Life-giving words. We recently, uh, as a youth team, took all our volunteers up to Priest Lake for a weekend. We do this every year. And uh, one of the things that we do is, you know, we take all our leaders and we have this wonderful time that we're bonding. But there's this thing that we do each and every year that we take a random name out of a hat. And, and you don't know who you picked and they don't know who you picked. And then you go and open it up in like the back room somewhere and, and then you read that, and then what all you're supposed to do is you're just supposed to think about that person, all the wonderful things about them, and what God might want to say to them to encourage them. And then we take about 30 minutes, and you open your Bible, you jot some stuff down, and you're just thinking that, you know, this amazing person, you know, David or Walt or Hayden, a man, you know, we have these amazing volunteers. And so you, you, you look at that, and we all come back together. And it's not some big flashy conference with Hillsong playing and, you know, uh, uh, these amazing pastors. It's just a, like 10 people in a room. Our high school team upstairs, our junior high team downstairs, just 10 people in a room. We come together 
And then just one by one, we just say the things that we love about the other person. Here's something that I feel like God wants to say to you, that you are this amazing person. And I, cannot t- I can't explain to you without you being there in the room the, the power that happens behind this. The, the, the tears that are streaming down people's faces, not of sadness, but of like just shudder awe that someone might come together and that this group of people might just, their only agenda is just to give life-giving words. That I've been to some pretty cool conferences in my time with amazing speakers and bands. And I can tell you, all you really need is to get 10 people in a room who care about each other, who just want to give life-giving words, and you will have a better experience right there that the room is filled with the Holy Spirit and just filling your heart full of the abundance full of who he is, just based off of a few words, 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there, 30 seconds here. Our words can be life-giving. And then we all leave this retreat every year just so stoked on life. All because we just said, hey, I like you. You're pretty cool, you know. God has a plan for you goes a little deeper than that, but you get the point. Our words can be so life-giving. And then I I leave uh, this every year, and I always think, why don't I do that more? Why don't we, as a group of Christians, and I think this is a little bit of what James was seeing too, like, yeah, you know, why don't we do this more? Why? It's so easy to just go to church and to praise God and to, you know, high five a few people, give someone a hug, and then you leave church. And what is the very next thing that comes out of your mouth? The first time someone cuts you off coming out of the parking lot because they turned right and you wanted to turn left. It's just the barrage of ill words. Why don't we... As Christians, as, as people, as a church, just constantly affirm with that one-fifth of our life. Why don't we just say that one-fifth of my life is just going to affirm the people around me. I'm going to tell them how much they are loved by God, how much they have been forgiven by God, how much God has a plan for them, and then I'm going to go on with my day and see what happens. We do this in our, anyone that's ever taken Rooted, there's always a night that's this affirmation night that you go around and you think and the Rooted facilitator writes on a card something and says, here, I have this for you. A good coach knows when, when a player messed up to, to not like scream at him and yell at him, but just to encourage them and say, you know what? You are amazing. You are awesome just to get them back in the game. Here's a challenge for you. And, and as we leave here, think of someone before today ends, that you can give life-giving words to. Think of one person and then do that today. And then here's the next challenge. Tomorrow, do the same thing. And the next day, do the same thing. And the next day, do the same thing. Make it a habit to speak life every time you get a chance to give life-giving words. Words, Because if we don't, we run this into this huge trap, which James says here in chapter 3, verse 2, where he says, no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's almost drawing this, this, uh, this conclusion here. Is if you don't give life-giving words, what will happen is you will give life-taking words. It's just going to be full of poison. Give life-giving words every chance you can get. But you can't control what others say. 
but you can't control what you believe in your own heart. And some people have been really wounded by words in their own life, that you have uh, really poor friend relationships, or maybe you grew up in 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 a damaging home, whatever it may be, where you had a lot of life taking words that were directed towards you. And then it's like that poison, right? It poisons you. You can't control what others say, but you can control what you believe. You gotta keep the poison out of your heart in a day, on a daily level, on a daily basis. Because what you believe will direct how you behave. What you believe in your heart will ultimately direct exactly how you behave and how you talk. If you believe that you'll never make it out of this financial situation that you find yourself in, if that's what you believe, that is how you will behave and that is how you'll talk. Your talk will then ultimately just be, we're screwed, it's over, there's no point. Why, why even try and change? We've tried to change a thousand times. What you believe ultimately is how you will behave. What's in your heart? The very things that you put in there, that you believe in there, will direct how you behave. And Jesus says something very similar to this we see in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says this, he says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And here's the key right here. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What's in your heart? What's in your heart will directly correlate to what is coming out of your mouth. We recently, as a staff, about six months, a year ago, we went through this uh, thing called soul care with the Genesis Institute. And one of the big questions that came out of it was you ask each other, well, how's your soul? The very thing that directs your life and how you behave, how's your soul? And I just thought, that what a great question that would be just for one another of how's your heart? How's your heart, the abundance of your heart? What's in there? What are you believing that's dictating how you behave today, tomorrow? How you behaved all last year? The words that came out of your mouth. How is your heart? Because here's the thing Jesus says that the the good that's in your heart, it will produce good out of your mouth. The evil things in your heart, it will produce evil out of your mouth. Out of the abundance, your mouth will speak. And James talks about this, that you cannot tame your tongue. It is something that is difficult. And then if you don't have your heart in the right spot, your mouth will betray you. Which means this, you don't have to wonder what's in your heart. All you have to do is listen to how you talk. That means that you don't have to justify, I'm not an angry person. I only blow up twice a month, right? I'm not an angry person. No, you don't have to justify it. You just have to listen to the words coming out of your mouth to know what's in your heart. You don't have to wonder, am I a jealous person? Am I a bitter person? Am I, am I an angry person? Am I a depressed person? Whatever it may be, you don't have to wonder, are those things there? You just have to listen to your words. Because our tongue betrays us. And out of the abundance of what's in our heart, our mouth will speak. Uh, about in the middle of the summertime, um, I've been going back to school, and I found myself uh, in between uh, the Saturday course, and I went home for lunch, and I'm, I'm just like complaining. I'm just like spewing out all these things to Chantel, just talking about this and that, and the thing I don't like about this class, and this other person sitting next to me, and you know, all this stuff. I'm just like literally, I'm just like, 
complaining and complaining. And at the same time, I got my turkey burger going. And so I got, I'm getting my gas on on my grill. I'm getting my turkey burger on. And I'm just complaining. And I'm not realizing, like, what's happening to the grill, okay? I'm getting my Worcestershire. How do you say that? The Worcestershire sauce? Or does anyone have, like, a, like a real pronunciation of that? Worcestershire, everyone has weird stuff, right? I'm getting my Worcestershire on my turkey burger and, and you know, and I'm just complaining and complaining. And I go over to the grill and, and I didn't realize it like five minutes previous, I turned the gas on and never lit it. And so I go over to the grill and I got my turkey burger like on this one little plate where it's just like oozing with, you know, all the spices and Worcestershire sauce. And, and I open the grill and I hit the ignite button and like from the pit of hell, this fireball, it just like blows up and my turkey burger just goes like all up in the air and it just it burns me and Chantel jumps up off the couch thinking like a bomb went off or something and she comes out in like my hair my eyebrows my beard I got Worcestershire sauce all over me my face is like burning I have to be at class in 15 minutes and there I am and then in that moment God spoke to me and said what you're complaining about. You're insecure about why you're back at school. And it was almost like this, this clear reflection of my words in hell, right? <laughs> that can you get any more clear, God? That your words, it's just Satan in your, infecting the poison in your heart. And so there I am in the bathroom and I'm trying to like trim my hair and I got Worcestershire sauce all over me. I have like Chantel's putting aloe vera all over my face. And there I am just like head hang low, just like, God, forgive me. That is not what I want to talk like. I don't want to be the person that complains about my circumstances. Have you ever done that before? You just find yourself complaining, talking about something. Do I have to wonder like what's going on in my heart in that very moment? No, just think back and listen to the words that I said. If you ever wanted to crush someone, you just knew if you said that word, you would just crush them, you hurt them. So you did it. You don't need to justify for an angry person, right? Just crush someone with your words. But many people are way too afraid to be that direct to someone, just to tell them to their face, I don't like you. So what do we, most people do instead? We take a much more passive, aggressive approach, right? Or whether you be angry or bitter or jealous, you might be insecure. And so what happens when your coworker or a friend or someone you don't really like comes up to you and they're like, hey man, it's going bro. Hey, check my new truck out I just got and you go, it's cool. I'm a little bit more of a Ford guy, but nice truck. Or maybe, you know, you just want to take the joy from them. You do it in a very passive way. Or, or, or maybe you're, you're just too afraid to face them all together, so you go behind their back. And you go and gossip. And, you know, you're there with your moms are there at the park together. And you're there with your friend. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Isn't Sally's so amazing? And you go like, yeah, I guess, because she's a helicopter mom. Kids are probably going to grow up to be like serial killers or something with all the rules they have. <laughs> or, you know, wow, Ken, he did such an amazing job on his sales this month. Yeah, you know, I bet we'll figure out in like a month or two he probably cheated and cut corners. 
You know, we do these things that like, you don't have to wonder what's in your heart. Just listen to your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we need to do, if you find yourself like, like me, where I'm just like complaining about this, this class that I was in, you find yourself just angry and you, you just lash out, you know, once, twice, three times a month, you find yourself just jealous, bitter. Got to change the abundance of your heart. And so James, he says this in, in verse three, he says, you know, we stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to make their whole body in check. And that word perfect is this Greek word teleos, which essentially means mature. It means once you've able to figure out how to keep your tongue in check, it's a sign of spiritual maturity. And it's a sign of spiritual maturity because it's the thing that directs your whole body. And then he kind of goes on to allude to essentially say that if you're able to keep your tongue in check, your whole body will remain in check. It's a very clear spiritual maturity, a sign of maturity. Those who are able to keep their mouth in check. What we do, the abundance in our heart, our body follows suit. We change the abundance in our heart, how our mouth speaks, our body, our life follows suit. How do we change the abundance in our heart? Let me give you just a quick thought here and then we're gonna close. It starts with you and God. David wrote this in the Psalms. He says, search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the life everlasting. It's good to ask God, God, search my heart. Here's the things that I hear out of my mouth. Search, search what's going on inside of me. Pride says that I can do it all alone, but wisdom says find someone to help. And God is there. He loves you. What you believe will direct how you behave. The abundance in your heart. And you might need a, you know, a counselor or something to bring further healing in this, but when you find yourself in these circumstances in life, ask God to search your heart. God, where, where do you see me? Where, where is my heart? What are the offensive ways going on inside me? Ask God, start there. Second is speak life to your circumstances. You find yourself in a circumstance, instead of the abundance in your heart coming out, you gotta learn to speak life to the very situation you find yourself in. You find yourself in a, in a time, a season where your schedule is just insane. Instead of just saying like, it's so insane, it's crazy, I hate it, you know, all X, Y, Z. You say, you know, I am fully equipped and gifted by God for this right here. Or you find yourself just thinking, I'm just average, I'm just an average person. You are God's masterpiece created, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You feel like your situation, like I'm just used goods. You are the righteousness of God. You find yourself thinking in this circumstance, I'll never amount to anything, I'll never be like them. God has plans for me that I might have a hope and a future. I'm always gonna be miserable. Speak life into those circumstances that I have everything I need in Jesus. What drives your mouth is your heart, and what drives your heart is your identity. And if you find yourself just always having to feel like I have to be the best salesman, that's who I am, I have to be the, the best mom, you will protect that. And the, out of the abundance of your heart will come bitterness, anger, jealousy. But if your identity is found in I am loved by God, I am forgiven by God, I am a co-heir in Christ, I am an adopted son or daughter of the Most High King. 
you find security in Jesus. Speak life to others. Speak life to your circumstances. We can be this amazing church where we affirm one another. We find uh, where there's uh, pain and where there's wounding. And what you can do, you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars. You don't got to be a millionaire. You don't got to be a doctor. You, you don't have to be these things. What you need is you need to have the abundance in your heart of Jesus and to bring healing and wounding or bring healing to where there's wounding, to bring hope where there's hopelessness, to bring life to people all around you, at your work, at your campus, in our community, in our church, and around the world. You don't have to have everything together. You have to have Jesus, the abundance of him in your heart, and you have to speak life to others. Let's be a church that does that. Let's be a church who affirms one another, who affirms the people in our very communities, in our families, in our marriages, to speak life, to bring life, to bring hope to a hurting world. Some of you have been wounded by words, or maybe someone right now, you know the abundance of your heart, it's not Jesus. You find the abundance of your heart is anger, jealousy, bitter. I wanna pray for you right now that we might find a new abundance in our heart and that we would go and speak life to others. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that you have come to bring us life. God, that you call us loved. You call us your masterpiece, that we are forgiven. Lord, those of us who've been wounded by words, those of us who find ourselves right now that the abundance of my heart is not of you, but is of anger, is of bitterness, jealousy, depression. God, would you bring healing and speak life right now? God, speak life to the midst and the innermost parts of our being, that we are loved that we are yours and that we are secure in you. God, help us go see eyes, have eyes that can see the good in people and love people well. Affirm those all around us that we might bring life to a dark and hurting world. We pray this in your name, amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Nate. Mop sign up is out in the lobby. Make sure on your way out, turn right. And uh, <laughs> see, I'm, I'm helping you out. No one will even. And then I'll be over here for those of you who'd like to figure out how can I get better connected here at North Church and our prayer team will be over on this side. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman things, some superhero, some fairy tale bliss, just something I can turn to, somebody I can.